There's fascinating material in the U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, especially the Senate Intelligence Committee. And normally they don't hold public hearings. Now we're listening to, or going to be listening to, Senator Martin Heinrich. And uh, Senator Heinrich is from New Mexico. And he specifically was in the tech sector for many years. So he's discussing about how, you know, the People's Republic of China have been using both deep penetration agents who are essentially Chinese nationals who have been given permission by the Chinese government to immigrate to the United States. Usually they still have family members back in China. And these family members are slowly being given permission to come to the United States. Well, what the State Security Bureau of China, basically China's KGB or FSB, does is they make them serve in place. With little questionnaires, information, everything that they do is asked about where they serve, what, what kind of uh, what, what kind of business they're into, what are their customers like, what is uh, uh, the uh, typical uh, times that their stores are busy, if they own a business, what exactly their customers like the most. Some of it sounds fairly harmless, but then it goes into banking information. It goes into the types of cards used. It goes into the types of services sought on each card. How many people are using, for example, things like uh, EBT or other processes. How many people are using other services that could be part of these uh, programs that, that could be essential. And then it becomes even stranger because according to some of those testifying, these serving in place policy that China uses specifically targets American military families. What are their wants, desires, what products do they buy, what types of uh, items do they think uh, can be sold to them. And then it discusses about selling them alternative products, basically products that could be altered or not original, meaning a dangerous situation there. They could, for example, provide coffee at a lower price than what would be in a grocery store, but what really is in the coffee or in the sugar or in the other items that is being given? Is it adulterated? Is it something that could make someone sick? They don't talk about that. They don't go into those specific details, but the risk is there. China is constantly working on infiltrating the United States and getting ways to weaken its military and its civilian population. Let's listen to Senator Martin Heinrich and members of the United States-China Commission in a rare public hearing held back in August of 2021. This is the last time they did it because under the, under the uh, you know, bribed by Beijing Biden administration, you know, you're talking about an administration that basically the sun sells paintings to Chinese officials here in Manhattan. You know, and guess what? All these investigations seem to go away. When oil is needed for the strategic reserve for American consumers, it is sold to China. What kind of leadership do we have in Washington? It's one that is a regime made in Beijing. That's what we're dealing with. And it is very sad to say that much of what we feared happening under a Biden administration that is brokered and bought by Beijing is happening very, very clearly. Let's listen now, of course, uh, to uh, Senator Heiler. Working out of embassies and consulates across the world act as brokers to acquire foreign technology. And the report notes that artificial intelligence, machine learning are sort of near the top of that, that wish list. 
Can you discuss the role that these science and tech diplomats play in acquiring foreign technology? And what else are you seeing in the areas of AI and machine learning in particular? Of course. So, um, <clears throat> so I think what, what the role of s and diplomats, what it, what it really highlights is the depth and breadth of China's tech acquisition bureaucracy. As we lay it out in this report, um, and these are this is based on Chinese language documents um, that we have uh, that we have mined and acquired. So it's all open source material. Um, that there's a demand signal, and so entity in China requests or, or highlights that they have a gap, either in technology or knowledge, it goes to a central uh, database, and um, and then it's actually uh, farmed out across the world. And what's interesting about this is it really shows um, a nuanced understanding of where that technology is located um, and where uh, where to find that. Um, and as you mentioned, the two things, the highest uh, that showed up the most in, in our research uh, was both AI and machine learning and um, actually biotechnology. Um, and one of the uh, hub of activity for that uh, in the United States was the Houston Consulate. Very interesting. Um, the CCP has leveraged individuals outside of government to pursue technology transfer, targeting foreign researchers and business leaders in order to transfer that, that technology back to the PRC. Can you walk us through any, any examples that are particular, particularly illustrative, either in academia academia or in the private sector, just to, to give folks a, a sense for like how this tactic really plays out in real life. So um, what I'll, I'll speak to is a specific methodology that we've seen. Um, and then, uh, sorry, can you, is that better? Okay, sorry, sorry about that. Um, so what is interesting in, in both as in my previous um, iteration working through, we always get questions about, okay, what is the list, right? What is the technologies that are being sought? And we do have that in a very general sense. Um, but what makes that so challenging is what we call the China's use of non-traditional collectors. And so these are actually the experts that are working on a particular area, working on a particular project that are the ones that are, are targeting the technologies. Um, what makes it so hard to counter a lot of times is, is initially some of these relationships begin as um, legitimate, whether they be collaborations um, or individuals that uh, either join uh, universities or join companies. Um, but China has a number of policies and one of the ones that I think pertains to this particular type of targeted technology is one called serve in place. And it's something that we've seen reflected in Chinese policy documents um, since the early 90s. And it articulates that uh, they seek to leverage individuals who have, um, who are not living in China, who don't have any intention to go back. Um, and they reach out to those people to filter strategic gaps. Um, and, and increasingly, even more so, is the technological know-how. And so the how do you do things? How do you do quality control? How do you move technology out of the um, Mr. Pottinger, could, could you talk a little bit more about semiconductor manufacturing and fabrication and how would you 
great our our efforts so far at trying to start the process of bringing that back to uh, domestic production and, and what additional efforts would you recommend? Thanks, Senator. So the, the majority of the world's highest end chips are actually made in Taiwan uh, by Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Uh, China makes, uh, has put well over $100 billion in subsidies into trying to, to replicate what Taiwan's able to do with very mixed results. In fact, they've, they've not been able to replicate what Taiwan does, but what they are now trying to do having recognized the fact they can't make chips at the bleeding cutting edge the way that Taiwan makes them, China's trying to make chips that are a couple of generations older than, uh, than the chips that Taiwan makes. Now, uh, older does not mean worse, because in fact, you know, it, the device I'm talking to you on right now, you know, I, or, or a personal smartphone is made up of, you know, 10 chips, uh, maybe only one of which is the really cutting edge chip, the others which control uh, graphics and voice and cameras and things of that nature are older technology chips, um, which make up a massive segment of the market. They're still extremely important, and they can be leveraged in ways uh, to make them greater than the sum of their parts, depending on, on how creatively you, you uh, tie these things together. So um, what, what uh, we do in the United States, we don't make that many chips anymore. We have a couple of exceptions. Um, uh, there's a company called Global Foundries in upstate New York that, that makes uh, uh, chips that are, that are a couple of generations older, but it turns out that our military, most of our equipment runs on chips that are a couple of generations or more older because those systems stay in place for so long. So, the, so it's, it's been critical uh, that we have a certain amount of manufacturing here at home. Um, we also, where we really lead is in the design of chips and also in equipment uh, that's used in, in the fabrication of the chips. So th those are areas where we want to do a better job, more strategic job of looking holistically at how we can deny China uh, its, its very deliberate and, and clear uh, objective of making itself completely independent and making us increasingly dependent on their supply for semiconductors, which until we have another technology are, are absolutely essential to every area where we want to compete in, in the uh, innovative economy. Thank you, Senator. Senator Bond. Uh, thank you. There was fascinating material in the U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, especially the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, normally they don't hold public hearings. Now, we're listening to, or going to be listening to, Senator Martin Heinrich, and uh, Senator Heinrich is from New Mexico, and he specifically was in the tech sector for many years, so he's discussing about how, you know, the People's Republic of China have been using both deep penetration agents, who are essentially Chinese nationals who've been given permission by the Chinese government to immigrate to the United States. Usually, they still have family members back in China. And these family members are slowly being given permission to come to the United States. Well, what the State Security Bureau of China, basically China's KGB or FSB, does is they make them serve in place. With little questionnaires, information, everything that they do is asked about where they serve, what, what kind of... Uh, what, what kind of business they're into, what are their customers like, what is uh, uh, the uh, typical uh, times that their stores are busy. 
if they own a business, what exactly their customers like the most. Some of it sounds fairly harmless, but then it goes into banking information. It goes into the types of cards used. It goes into the types of services sought on each card. How many people are using, for example, things like uh, EBT or other processors? How many people are using other services that could be part of these uh, programs that, that could be essential? And then it becomes even stranger because according to some of those testifying, these serving-in-place policy that China uses specifically targets American military families. What are their wants, desires, what products do they buy, what types of uh, items do they think uh, can be sold to them. And then it discusses about selling them alternative products, basically products that could be altered or not original, meaning a dangerous situation there. They could, for example, provide coffee at a lower price than what would be in a grocery store, but what really is in the coffee or in the sugar or in the other items that is being given? Is it adulterated? Is it something that could make someone sick? They don't talk about that. They don't go into those specific details, but the risk is there. China is constantly working on infiltrating the United States and getting ways to weaken its military and its civilian population. Let's listen to Senator Martin Heinrich and members of the United States China Commission in a rare public hearing held back in August of 2021. This is the last time they did it because under the, under the uh, you know, bribe by Beijing, Biden administration, you know, you're talking about an administration that basically the sun sells paintings to Chinese officials here in Manhattan. You know, and guess what? All these investigations seem to go away. When oil is needed for the strategic reserve for American consumers, it is sold to China. What kind of leadership do we have in Washington? It's one that is a regime made in Beijing. That's what we're dealing with. And it is very sad to say that much of what we feared happening under a Biden administration that is brokered and bought by Beijing is happening very, very clearly. Let's listen now, of course, uh, to uh, Senator Heider. Chairman, uh, Ms. Polisky, um, nothing, let's talk about campuses for a minute. Nothing creates more friends for the United States of America than time in the United States of America. And this research discussion is one discussion. Another discussion is there are lots of Chinese students on campuses that have fine business schools, that have good health programs of various kinds and other programs that don't do a lot of research. Uh, what are the dangers of us closing the door to smart, young Chinese people who want to come here and spend a couple of years? And how do we, how do we thread that needle? That's a really important way. Um, and it's really important to, to make that distinguishing, to distinguish between undergraduates, um, graduate students, graduate students that are studying things that um, are, that we're concerned with. Um, and I think it, it comes, it circles back to the remarks that I made about acknowledging how different our systems are, um, because we can't possibly understand. I think my, my colleagues also um, spoke to this, the amount of pressure that some of those students can be under uh, if their families are still um, in China. Uh, the most recent uh, Global Human Rights Watch report that came out talks about surveillance happening 
um, on U.S. campuses of these Chinese students? Well, I think we have to be careful there because just like we can't understand the pressure they're under, they can't understand what the United States is like <laughs> in the same way as if they were here. And, uh, you know, Chinese students, particularly undergraduate students in a non-research setting on campus, I think that's a different thing than people, technical research, calling back the results uh, to the the mock lab in, in China somewhere. I think we need to be really careful about this because mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go to Mr. Pottinger next. It seems to me that there is a likely change in a mindset here. You know, we all know that China has a huge demographics problem, and I don't want to go down the demographics trail. The trail I want to go down is there are millions of young Chinese adults who, in their whole life, they've had two parents who were totally focused on them, and four grandparents who had one grandchild also totally focused on them in a country that had more things to share, more ways to buy things for that one grandchild, are they going to have the same response to the increasingly repressive Chinese Communist Party that the generation before have had? Are we seeing some likely uh, pushback from young Chinese adults who've had basically all the attention you could possibly ask for their entire life and almost everything they wanted to have from parents and grandparents? Yeah, Senator, there's been uh, recent reporting, some interesting reports have been written about sort of this ennui that, that it, it, uh, is, is afflicting the, the younger uh, generation um, of, of um, uh, Chinese young men and women. Um, I, I think that, um, uh, that the Communist Party systematically removed uh, from Chinese culture uh, so many of the elements that could enrich people's lives, including you know, faith, um, including um, what had been in the late 90s into the early 2000s, a, a growing um, amount of, um, of free exchange and discourse, those things are now going in reverse. You're seeing the systematic stamping out of, um, of civic life, uh, whether, whether it's secular or religious. Uh, the most extreme example is the genocide taking place against uh, traditionally ethnic uh, uh, Muslim minorities in Northwest China, but but also against Christians and others, um, and access to outside information is getting. Now the second question by Senator Roy Blunt is, is something that's very telling and it basically goes into what exactly do the other students, of 370,000 students that come to the United States from China every year uh, prior to COVID and uh, what exactly and how exactly does the Chinese government make use of this force multiplied human intelligence network that they are using inside the United States. Do you know that they actually have to have specific apps on their phones, report back their locations, take pictures of specific things as directed by the Chinese Communist Party's State Security Bureau? Not all of them follow, but a vast majority do, especially those with family back in China who are worried about the effects their inaction or lack of action or not taking part will have. And here is, again, Senator Roy Blunt to ask more directly, bluntly, about it. 
more restrictive. Let me, let me see if I can get, thank you. Let me see if I get one quick question. So, so Billy Maniva, what, uh, what did this increasing uh, more restrictive society, how is that in all the ways you've looked at that, how is that, that coming generation going to react to that in a different way than their parents and grandparents had? Well, Senator, thanks for the question. I think your premise is correct. Uh, we are seeing uh, that kind of slow change. But I would offer that uh, Xi Jinping is seeing that same change as well and he's becoming more draconian. They've become the most impressive surveillance state in the history of the world, uh, not only domestically in China, but as well as we heard here in the U.S. There's 320,000 students who come to the U.S. are forced to have Chinese phones with WeChat so the Chinese can monitor them here. So when you are here, whether you're a student, or a researcher, and you get a call from the Ministry of State of Security asking you to do something for them, and your grandmother is sick, or your father needs a job, you are going to do whatever they ask you to do. So as much as we see a change in the want of the Chinese young people to get internet, the quicker we see that, the quicker the Chinese Communist Party disallows them to have the internet. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. So as we listen to Senator Martin Heinrich and also we listen to uh, Senator uh, Roy Blunt, we have some ideas from bipartisan viewpoints on the United States Senate Intelligence Committee hearings that were made public from August of 2021. Remember, they, they don't generally do this. This is something that's pretty rare. And it specifically looks at the People's Republic of China, the Communist Party of China. It's the activities of the State Security Bureau and how they are interfering in American lives, how they're gathering intelligence, how they are taking actions that could only be the prerequisites for some kind of military action. They're doing the deep kind of intelligence that basically the United States did against Iraq, for example, and how they were able to topple that country in less than, uh, you know, two weeks. So it was the fourth largest military in the world and one of the most tightly controlled societies in the world. But yet it totally collapsed in the face of total warfare. This is what China is doing. This is what China is planning. They plan to do it by 2035. They might not even do it with actual warfare. They may be content to be able to act with the enemies within who are in the United States and some of whom are actually elected members of Congress or serving in, say, the White House. Or maybe those, for example, in the military. You know, there, there, there's a classic example of, of one undersecretary of the Air Force who I keep going back to, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the reason is, if you look at her past, it basically reads like a picture postcard of the woke left extremist communist uh, groups. She somehow was able to make it into the Air Force. She never really got any major duty assignments and because of her political views eventually was weeded out and was removed. However, now she's Undersecretary of the Air Force as appointed by Senate Secretary uh, Austin on the specific recommendations of AOC and Bernie Sanders. So can you imagine a American-hating former military member who uh, was booted out of the military for her, uh, well, uh, radical viewpoints, is essentially now an undersecretary of the Air Force in control of vital information and someone who is specifically viewed and was specifically viewed by Air Force intelligence as being an ally of the People's Republic of China's military intelligence unit. And that's one of the reasons they were booted out. That's what we have to face. That is these United States right now. Aside from these hearings that discuss this topic, there is also the other topic of the enemy within that might.
must be dealt with, both the imported from China and those created by China from amongst us. Sad to say, there will always be Quislings and Benedict Arnolds. It's the problem of those of us who are patriots, finding them, weeding them out, and taking them out. I'm Mike of New York, Mike A. Cohen. Always remember, trust in God, because trust in God is really all we have these days. God bless you. God bless the United States. God bless each and every one of us. And please, keep praying, because that's the most powerful weapon we have that China doesn't. We got God on our side. Deal with that. Beijing.